You're listening to the NYY Sports Talk podcast hosted by Christian and Chris. Head to nyysportstalk.com to subscribe to the show and check out the fan shop so you can swag up on great NYYST apparel. Stay on top of all the latest with the New York Yankees, including breaking news, in-game updates, and incredible fan giveaways by following on Twitter at NYY Sports Talk. It's now time to talk Yankees baseball. Welcome back. This is episode 45 of the NYY Sports Talk podcast presented by BrandonRendiniFitness.com. I'm your host, Christian. As always, joined by my co-host, Chris. Yo! And Stat Guy Rye. What up? Feels like it's been a while since we've been able to get a show in here. Feels like it's been a while since we watched a full Yankee game up until this weekend. We had a little scheduling conflict this week where we couldn't get together to record a midweek pod and... You know what? We would have made it work if we had to. Yeah, but apparently... What were we going to talk about? Oh, it rained a lot this week in, in the Yankee universe. I mean, the weather had other plans. The Yankees went basically Sunday to Friday without playing a, a baseball and game. And the poor Nationals, what, got rained out again yeah. the Again other on night? Friday, yeah. They went Sunday to Jesus. Saturday without playing a game. I think I was having serious withdrawals. I seriously... Yeah, it's bad. I think that was your heroin addiction. <laughs> oh, yeah, you're right. It was probably the heroin. And... uh and it, you could tell the Yankees came out stale. I know we're going to break down the games a little quickly, but I just wanted to throw that out there. The rain, you know, can can take a bad bad turn on some teams that are hot. So, luckily, they won yesterday, but it hasn't been fun not being able to watch Yankee games. The weather hasn't been promising in Kansas City either, but we're recording about two hours before first pitch on Sunday. Our guest today, we got Dan Federico of Bronx to Bushville coming on the show in just a little bit. Um, but the Yankees were able to squeeze in the first two games in Kansas City. Uh, the weather for today, Sunday, is also not good. And we're going to open the show right away because I want I want to get Chris's natural reaction to... I have no other words for it, but this shit lineup that Aaron Boone has put out today. Honestly, we've been on the Boone train. We've all got Booners, right? I got a Booner for Boone, man. Huge Booner. It's known. It's known. It's out there. But this... But like, you you know how you could talk things up and then it doesn't live up to the hype? You've talked this down so much that I don't know if I'm going to think it's as bad as you're going to say. But this is the worst lineup that Aaron Boone has put out in his... Short tenure right. as New York Yankees manager. I'm ready. All right, ready? Yep. Hate it. <laughs> Haven't heard it. Hate it. First of all, Sonny Gray's taking the mound today. Right. That's oh that's the first mistake. Number one. Well, actually, number 11. Brett Gardner's leading off uh, in left field. Okay. Aaron Judge uh, batting second and right. John Carl Stanton batting third at DH. Sounds okay so Sounds far, good. right? I like that. Now, here's where it goes down the shit highway. Let's hear it. Uh, Hicksy cleaning up in center field. <laughs> uh, we got Tyler Austin batting fifth at first. Jesus. Miguel Andujar is uh, batting sixth at, uh, in third base. Uh, your number seven hitter today is uh, <laughs> Sonny Gray's uh, best friend, Austin Romine. Jesus. Uh, Toes playing shortstop batting eight. And Glaber's uh, rounding out the lineup at second base. So is something wrong with Didi? Yeah, he's in a one for forty-five. Slump. I know, but is there anything? More I think than... another lefty's pitching, so they might as well just give him a couple. I days wanted off. Didi to have a couple days off. Okay, last I... night was enough. 
I don't mind giving him this second day off, but you can't do that when you're going to bench Gary Sanchez. You just can't. You can't have both of those guys out of this lineup. I don't care if Didi's won for his last 100. He's still Didi Gregorius. You can't have both of them on the bench right now. Has Aaron Boone kind of lucked out in the way that the schedule is broken where he says, I'm not going to, ex- I'm, I'm going to do this when it makes sense. But it seems like Sonny Gray always pitches on a night, a on a night game where yep. there's a day game the next day or a day game where there's a night game yep. the next day or something where he has the excuse where he can rest Sanchez the next day. Here's why I have a problem with. Sonny Gray pitching today. Because he's trash? <laughs> Other than that. Zach Morris is trash! You guys need to watch that, by the way. Oh, I've watched it. It's funny. Uh, here's why I have a problem with it. This was your perfect opportunity to split CeCe and Gray up a couple games in between. This was your perfect opportunity to throw CeCe on Friday, Sevi yesterday, and Tanaka today, and then go with Gray tomorrow. That was your perfect opportunity to put a couple guys in between the two of them. CC has been eating up a little more innings of late uh, when he's been hot. Not the last couple games, but... Didn't he throw in over 95 pitches on Friday? Did he? I didn't know he got a... But right. he only threw... I'm he, sure Ryan can get he that He only for threw us. five innings, though. But that really wasn't his fault. He could have gone six plus. But... I think this was a perfect opportunity to break them up a little bit. Here's why I don't think it's such a big deal is because I know it was Tuesday and today's Sunday, but Tanaka took the last completed game that they played during the week, or not completed game, but he started that game. So, I mean, yeah, it's Sonny Gray, so, okay, let's banish him to the Phantom Zone, but the guy's got to start. I mean, how much longer do you want him to to not pitch It's not about It's not about him sucking right now, though. It's about that this was a good opportunity to put a couple guys in between him and CeCe, throw him out there on on Monday instead of today. Tanaka could have very well came out today and pitched. Sabathia on Friday threw 99 pitches in five innings. Yeah, I mean, he only went five, but still, we've seen... He would have went more, though. His defense let him down yet again. But... You know, this philosophy that the Yankees came out and said they had at the beginning of the year where the starters outside of Severino were only going 75, 80 pitches seems to have gone away recently. And I like that. I'm happy that it did. All right. So just quickly, um, Sunday, I know it seems so long ago now, especially the Yankees only played two actual games in the meantime. The Yankees um, on Mother's Day get themselves a nice... Uh, six to two victory over the A's. Uh, Severino started. Uh, wasn't wasn't sharp, but no. you know he gave up one run over six innings. Big day for Stanton. Uh, home run, four for four day. The Yankees get the win, and uh, he's heating up. By the way, yeah, he's I heat- think he's on his roll now. Before the Oakland game, uh, the Oakland game, the Kansas City game, he was uh, what did I say? He was. Batting three forty two in his last twelve games, yeah, or something like that. He's heating up. Yeah, so you see, he's coming around a little bit. But you know, just to quickly wrap up the Oakland series, since we didn't touch on it in the since last time we recorded, you know, Yankees do what they have to do. They scored three in the first. Stan gets the home run, big day, and you know they take another series. Is basically the yes, bottom line. Yes, that's all you got to do. Then you know you moved. Here's here's what's mind blowing to me, right? I hate, I hate, I hate, you want me to say it again? I hate the way the schedule is this season. It's awful. It is atrocious. 
atrocious because they were going to have two games off this week regardless. Yeah. They were going to have two days off. You you mean to tell me that the Yankees go a stretch with 18 straight days without a day off and then they get two and four days? That's how the schedule it's breaks? so ridiculous. I it does not make sense. I cannot stand these two-game sets. They're no, terrible. They're awful. And they seem to be happening with um, interleague teams. This way you get two in your ballpark, I get two in my ballpark. I don't care if the Yankees don't get a home series versus the Washington Nationals. I don't care if the Yankees don't get a home series versus the Miami Marlins. It doesn't matter to me. Play three games and give me an extra game against the Orioles. Give me an extra game against the Red Sox. Give me an extra game against the Angels. Somebody that's going to make a difference in their push to the postseason. I agree. I don't need to see them play four games against the friggin' Atlanta Braves. Are they playing four games against the Braves? I don't know. I don't really care. Give me three games and call it a day. I agree. It's been it's been an atrocious schedule and up until the last few weeks we saw more two game and four game sets than we did three game sets. Well they have big if you're gonna play two game sets because you gotta play a four game set to even it out. Just it's just ridiculous. I, I don't like it. So because of the two off days and the fact that the weather was abominable in uh Washington, the Yankees go from Sunday to Friday without playing a completed game. And let's just say this. Let's throw this in real quick. Thank God for Tyler Austin on Tuesday. Or else that would have been a loss. That would have been a loss. And he he stepped up. He tied the game. He he gave him a couple runs and then ended up tying the game there in the fifth. Or whenever that, I believe it was the fifth, that last inning before the uh, delay and then the suspension of the game. And uh, if not for that, the Yankees would have lost that game, which me and Ryan were talking about it. I hate that rule. I I think that is such a little league rule. As long as you play five innings, that four and it, a half of the home team, right? Game. That the game is called or whatever. If if there's a a team that's ahead, I think that four and a half five inning rule should be if the game's either suspended or started over. I think that is such a little league rule that a team like the Yankees or anyone for that matter, if they were down in that game and then the rain came down, that they would have lost. And it's stupid because how many games this year alone have the Yankees won in like the eighth or ninth inning? Right. Sometimes they don't turn it on until You should never cut a game short for that. I think the rule should be if you don't complete five full innings, the game doesn't count and you play it over Literally just said that. (laughs) Literally. I don't pay attention to what you have to say. You should be used to that by now. <laughs> so Friday, the Yankees come out. They're a little stale. CC once again, doesn't have a defense behind him. CeCe's given up 17 runs this year. Only 11 have been earned That's runs. That's bad. That's bad again, because... That, that Friday, he, it was uh, four runs allowed and only two were earned. Remember, he was hurt too, so he doesn't even have a full amount of starts uh, as most other pitchers this year, so... To have six unearned runs, that's a lot. All right, let me bring it to you like this, because we know no one's really talked about it right now because things just seem to clean themselves up a little bit, especially with Glaber Torres playing second base now, even though he was a culprit once or twice in that game. Did he have two errors? Uh, No. they not called. That that first play should have been made, but it was definitely not an error. It was a very, very difficult play. But he should have, I mean... Torres will tell you himself he should have made the catch. All right. Irregardless. They, since he's been out there, he's kind of cleaned up the defense for yes. them a little bit. 100%. But at some point during the season, the Yankees were statistically the worst defensive team in the Major League Baseball. Correct. Do you think because CC pitches to more contact than any other of their starters, that factor creeps in? Because sure. he, he 
like you said, he's got what six hundred runs this yeah, year. Yeah, I think that's a very good. So point. there's more fielding chances for the Yankees defense when CC pitches. Look, CC's been great, but he doesn't have swing and miss stuff anymore, and we all know that, and he knows it, and he accepts it now. But this is a guy who doesn't get hit hard, which means there's going to be a lot of in between hops in the infield, and that's exactly what caught. Torres the other day he went to go make the play on an in-between hop and he didn't know which hop he wanted to take it on next thing you know he's juggling the ball and doesn't make the play on a bases loaded two out ground ball to second base and we're all like oh come on Torres but you gotta understand he's not a natural Absolutely. second baseman I'm he's not made it the guy. look so easy that you forget that he's not a natural second I'm baseman. not knocking Torres at all I love him I think he's a phenomenal fielder I think he's a phenomenal hitter and all-around great baseball player but that doesn't excuse the fact that that play has to be made you know it is great though not to jump ahead but the next night he comes out and he hits a three-run home run it's that's and again i was just gonna say that that's all you can ask for and that is the sign of a great baseball player no we can jump ahead because what else do you want to say about friday yeah they were stale they it wasn't their night they've had a few nights in this great stretch where it wasn't their night and that's expected they're not invincible. You know, I mean, we'll, it's going to happen. Let's touch on this briefly. Nobody, Nobody's going to make excuses for a Major League Baseball team, but the whole reason why they couldn't play on Thursday is because the Yankees had travel set up after Wednesday's game. They got delayed 12 hours. They slept in the airport. Yeah. So, I mean, they're still human beings. These things affect people. Sure. So, you know, that taken in the, take that into account with the fact that they hadn't played a full game since Sunday – on a 162-game schedule, you're going to have flat days. So, so you just chalk it up and hope that they come back out the next day and they win. Which... And, they, and that's exactly what they did. And now we're sitting here on Sunday, a couple hours, you know, hour and a half away from, from first pitch. And you got to hope they win today. I mean, you got to get something out of Sonny Gray today. I, I will sit here and tell you he's not going to be phenomenal. He's not going to be great, but you need him to be good. And you need him to keep this team in the game. You need him to throw six innings or so. And you need him to give up two to three runs. He can't go out there today and give up five runs in three innings against the Royals. You can't do that. Not when the series is on the line. You have to win these series. These series are very, very important against bad teams. You have to win them. All right. So before we yell at Sonny Gray some more, last night, real quick, um, Yanks come out, they slug five home runs or four and a half if you really want to count the inside the park home run. <laughs> yeah, I guess we have to. <laughs> Yanks jump ahead to nothing. Uh, you know, Severino, he didn't have his best stuff last night, but, you know, it still counts as a quality start. Three runs over six innings. And I posed this question to you before we went on the air here, and you kind of poo-pooed it, but I'll ask it again anyway. Uh, he has not had his A stuff since the complete game in Houston. I... Do you think go? these guys are not generally conditioned to go nine innings anymore and, you know, Say what you want. Boone pushed him to the ninth inning. And how many pitches did he throw? Uh, stack guy. I mean, this guy's thrown 100-plus uh, pitches almost every outing this year. doesn't matter if he does that over six or nine innings. I mean, that's not going to affect an ace. Well, you pitched into they the college it, level here. Is there anything to the fact that – because they always talk about it. The times you got to get up and get hot again and get up and get hot again. The fact that he maybe only goes seven innings and throws 100 pitches or he threw it over nine, but still the fact that he had to rest and get hot again two extra times in a game. No. I, the only thing when you want to talk about pitch count, 
that truly matters on a guy like Severino, who they have admitted themselves is built to throw 100-plus pitches, is that you don't want him throwing too many high-intensity pitches in one inning. If he goes out there and has the bases loaded and has to work out of that and throws 30-something pitches in one inning, that's when a pitch count becomes relevant. But this is a guy who's built to throw 100 to 120 pitches in a game so throwing a complete game doesn't matter unless you're going to sit here and tell me that he threw 150 pitches and they exceeded what he could really handle. His complete game on May 2nd against the Astros, he threw 110 pitches. Okay. And he's thrown more than that in other games. Uh, By what? Two, three? He it doesn't, doesn't matter. It doesn't pit- matter. 110 pitches over nine innings is a lot better than 110 pitches over seven. I understand that. But again, I brought it to you. The fact that he went two extra innings in that, sat down, got back. There's something the body's not used to. He's not conditioned to doing that, and he did it. So is there any credence to the fact that his stuff has not been as sharp since that game? Let's put it Let's put it at because rest you, at, with this. He's not invincible either, just like the entire team isn't. He's well, he, going to have his times when he doesn't have his best stuff over a few starts, you just have to sit there and say, look, he's still keeping, I mean, one run over six, what was it, six innings on Mother's Day? Yeah. And he really didn't have good stuff. And someone tweeted back at us, I don't care what it is, when you only give up one run over six innings, that's being sharp. No, it's not. He was not sharp. But he was an ace. And he did what he had to do. Same thing yesterday. But you know... If he goes out and he's not sharp again, it's going to become a point of conversation where, well, you see, this is why guys don't pitch complete games anymore. Luis Severino has not been sharp since the complete game. Well, we'll see. Well, let's hope we don't have to take it that far. The start after that complete game was against Boston. He went six innings, uh, allowed two earned runs, and struck out 11. There you go. On he's 109 still, pitches. Yeah, but again, he wasn't that sh- – he was good, but I wouldn't say he was great He'll in that start. He'll get back to the greatness. All right, so real quick – Yanks, we said Yanks slug five home runs. Uh, you know, key point in the game here in the um, the fifth inning, the Yankees were up five to two at this point. Royals get a run back five three, and then Stanton throws the ball like he was Smalls from the oh Sandlot. Oh my god! And then Torres completely bails him out. Call uh, he was the runner was called out replay. I mean, I didn't I didn't see anything where they could overturn it. So. He was called out, or he was called... no. He was he was called out at the yeah. plate. He was called out at the plate, and I didn't see anything that was conclusive to overturning the rules. No, favor. but watching that replay, you kind of sat there and said, mm, "He looks safe." I didn't he see did. enough though, but Torres maybe it... not enough to overturn it, like you said. But you were a little nervous. I think it was one of those plays. What uh, whatever the original call yeah, was, that was, was right no exactly. But here we go again. I tweeted it during the game. You know, Ronald Torres doesn't play a week. He shakes the cobwebs off. What does he do last night? Two hits, great relay he's two throw. Two for four. Listen, man, that's that's part of the reason why he's the best at what he does. That's the kind of guy you need in that role. It's it's unbelievable. He's making an impact in every game he steps he steps foot on the field. So, you know, Yanks uh, pull away late. They get back-to-back home runs from Sanchez and Stanton. Sanchez hits two. Uh, bullpen does its job. Green to... Uh, Batances to Chapman, Yanks get an eight to three win. So here we are now, split so far. Yanks got it. They got to find a way to win this game. It's just today 
Obviously, you'll when you hear this, the game will already be over, you know. But they can't lose this series to Kansas City. It just no, you can't. They're fourteen and thirty-one going into Sunday's game. You can't, if you're the Yankees, you can't lose that series. You want to leave this series with a new high watermark on the season, which they will if they win today. They'll be thirteen and thirty. Uh, oh Jesus. 30 and 13. Which and, was the Royals record coming right? into the series. was 13 and 30. 30 and 13, 17 games over 500. I mean, what more could you ask for right now? Well, not really much, but a win today would be nice. And, uh, but that'll wrap up, uh, the abbreviated week. Uh, hopefully we don't see rain again until November. That would be nice. Um, but we do have a nice uh, spot coming up here right now with Dan Federico of the Bronx to Bushville. As always, check out Dan on Twitter, at Dan J. Federico. What I like about Dan is that Dan kind of gives you a little, peels back the current a little bit, where you'll hear some names of guys in the minor leagues that you might not hear from, uh, I don't want to say more mainstream reporting, but kind of brings up names that you're not thinking about. And we yeah. asked him about a couple of those guys in the interview, plus uh, a few other topics regarding the uh, current Yankees. So why don't we get to that interview right now? Dan Federico of the Bronx to Bushville. All right. NYY Sports Talk is here with uh, Dan Federico of Bronx to Bushville. You can follow Dan at Dan J. Federico on Twitter. Here to talk a little Yankee baseball. Dan, how you doing today, pal? going on guys i'm glad to be back i know we tried a few times in the last couple of weeks but i'm glad we finally were able to connect and get this going this week life is busy man we get it crazy crazy we barely have time to record at this point problem is the yankees don't play a set time every week so we got to keep changing the uh, day of the week <laughs> the weekend show here all right dan so first thing we want to get to um i want to ask you about greg bird he was down in Trenton, and the last we heard is they're moving him over to Scran to continue his rehab. So it seems like Bird's on his way back to the big club. <clears throat> but we want to know, uh, in your opinion here, is this Greg Bird's last chance to prove to the Yankees that he can stay healthy? If I'm the Yankees, I, I think there's no question that this has to be his last chance in 2018. Uh, you know, he's been somebody ever since Marta Shera was in the retirement stage that he's always been pegged as the starting first baseman. And as we've seen, he's had a number of injuries, whether it's his ankle, his shoulder, all these different kinds of things. I just have the feeling that at this point, after this season, the Yankees have to start looking elsewhere just as a precautionary measure. I mean, when you think about it, Tyler Austin has proven he could hit at the major league level. There's no doubt about that. But I just get the feeling that the Yankees don't see him as an everyday first baseman. Uh, if you look at the free agency market next year, it's, it's a weak class compared to every other position. You know, there's somebody like Joe Maurer who can maybe take advantage of Yankee Stadium with his left-handed bat, and he could be somebody they could shot, uh, sign to a short-term deal. Uh, and obviously, you know the Yankees have the necessary pieces to trade for any first baseman they want pretty much in baseball. So I think... If he can't prove himself to stay healthy this year, they have to, just for themselves, have to move on. I mean, everybody knows he has the perfect swing for Yankee Stadium. He's shown he could hit for power. He's shown he could hit for average. He seems like somebody who could be a key cog in the middle of the lineup. But, again, he just health is the biggest issue. So they just really have to save themselves at this point and view Greg Bird as a luxury and not somebody who could be relied on. Well, the problem is, too, and I'm someone who 
I obviously think the Yankees, if they're ever going to look elsewhere, it's going to truly be their last resort. But, you know, a corner position is an offensive position. And you can't be temporarily filling in these spots with, you know, guys like Neil Walker, Chris Carter, who, you know, not to knock Chris Carter, uh, Neil Walker, but he's not a permanent solution as a first baseman right now. So I think that's why Bird might have a little more pressure to stay healthy on him. This isn't, you know, a second base job. This is a first base position where you need a guy who's solid at the plate. Yeah, agreed. And Greg Bird has shown that. I mean, when he's healthy and, you know, when he got first called up in 2015, he showed that he, again, can hit for power. Uh, I know his average has been struggling ever since he came back, but again, in the playoffs, he did the same thing where he was hitting. Uh, he was an impact bat in the middle of the lineup. You know, but like you said, they need production out of that position. It's not somebody you can hide in the bottom of the lineup. Uh, one of the big things I've realized, though, as just doing some research, is that the Yankees are pretty thin at first base in their system as well. So, you know, it's going to be tough to kind of have somebody come in. They're going to have to either give out the big bucks, trade players away, which, you know, prospect huggers don't want to see that, but that's always a reality. Or, like you said, just cross your fingers and hope that he could somehow stay healthy, even though up to this point it's just proven that he's not able to do so. Well, let's all pray he stays healthy. I think he could be a really big contributor to this team. But speaking of trades and other big contributors to this team, I posed this question to Christian the other day, and I wanted to ask you, get your take on it here. The Yankees are probably going to go out there and look for an elite starting pitcher, or at least a guy who can be a uh, you know a two three guy to take them through the playoffs this year. I asked Christian this question: If Domingo Herman struggles, maybe his next one or two starts, do the Yankees start thinking of bringing up Justice Sheffield and maybe see if he's their guy right now? First off, I think. He can be the guy right now. I think Justice Sheffield has the ability to be an impact pitcher in 2018 as a starter, not as a reliever, as a starter. The thing is, history shows that the Yankees don't rush pitching prospects. I mean, they had Luis Severino in AAA for a little while. Uh, and, you know, when you think back, Justice Sheffield just got the call up uh, as of, what, maybe two, three weeks ago. He only has a handful of starts in AAA. Of course, he's been dealing with that shoulder issue that sidelines him for a game and his command is still an issue he's averaging five walks per nine innings so Ooh. that's a little high yeah, and that is not going to get better in, in the major leagues compared to triple a i do think that they'll look for the trade market as something to improve before they rush justice sheffield but then again i don't think the yankees are gonna you know make any trades before the trade deadline so there is a good amount of time before um th- this promotion could happen and you know in two months who's to say that he can't work on that control and you know get over the shoulder injury and possibly be the arm that they need so i do think it's a reality but i don't think they'll look to pull him up you know before i don't want to put a timetable out but i'd say you wouldn't see him before july that's just a gut feeling on my end is justice sheffield untouchable at the trade deadline that's an interesting question because they have a good amount of pitching prospects. The system has changed from hitters to pitchers because they still have Albert Abreu. Domingo Ostravan is, uh, excuse me, can you say that? 
Domingo Acevedo <laughs> is someone who has, sorry about that, Domingo Acevedo is somebody who has shown potential in the past, and you have names like Frazier Perez, who still hasn't really scratched the surface um, in terms of ability and potential. So they are deep in arms, but Justin Sheffield is the guy who's the closest. Um, he seems like the one off of, you know, scouts I've spoken to and things I've read about him who could have the most impact uh, at the major league level. You think that, you know, Yankees always need that stud left-hand pitcher. And, you know, Jordan Montgomery's not an ace, but he provides that. T.C. Sabathia's on the downside for he provides that. Uh, but Justin Sheffield can also be that guy. And I think he's someone who they definitely should hold on to, unless it's a trade for somebody like Madison Bumgarner, who's been floating around. But I, I don't see the Yankees doing something like that. But if they're going to go out there and trade for, let's say, Cole Hamels or someone of that ilk at that level, Justin Sheffield has to be someone who's untouchable. All right. While we're speaking of uh, <clears throat> maybe trade pieces, guys that are uh, being called up to the, from the minor leagues, uh, Red Thunder, Clint Frazier got the call up on Tuesday. Um, we finally saw him in some game action last night. We're recording this interview uh, Sunday morning before the Yankees played a series finale against the Kansas City Royals. Were you surprised at, at A, he was called up, and B, that it's taken, uh, I know that there was some rainouts, but uh, that it took, um, I want to say Joe Girardi, I don't know why, but uh, Aaron Boone this long to get him into a game. Uh, in terms of the call-up, I wouldn't say I was necessarily surprised. I mean, as we all know, the Yankees haven't gotten consistent production out of either Brett Gardner or Aaron Hicks this year. And Clint Frazier, ever since he returned from the concussion, has been pairing up each level he's played at. I was surprised that he didn't get to play right away. Um, because when you call up a prospect, especially when, you know, you hear some reports coming out of the clubhouse that, you know, it may not be a long-term thing. And they just because they were against the National League and they needed an extra bat. When you call somebody up like that, what's the point of him sitting on the bench? You want to get that bat in the lineup every day. And another thing I was surprised with is how, you know, Boone and some, again, some people in the clubhouse have been saying how he would be a help against left-handed pitching. But he hit 395 against right-handers in AAA. I think he could, you know, be a problem on against both, both pitching in terms of right-handed and left-handed. He could hit both sides of the plate and be somebody who could be a player that could plug in every day and, you know, get the job done on offense. As you saw yesterday's game, two walks, a double, a productive day. Um, we're expecting him to be in the lineup today. Again, like you said, we're recording earlier, so we're not sure. But I would think as long as he's up, he should play a majority of the time. Yeah, it's funny that you brought that up about what he hit uh, hit against right-handed pitching. If Clint Frazier is the guy that you thought you traded for in that even if you want to trade uh, him for an elite starter, why are you pigeonholing him into being like a platoon guy that you're only going to start against lefty pitching? Shouldn't he be a guy that you could you would want to hit uh, both righty and lefty pitching? Yeah, I agree. Yeah, no, I definitely agree with that. And like you said, if you're gonna if the Yankees are trying to showcase him in trades, you would think they would want to you know put him out there against everybody. But then again, when you think about it, maybe they know what they have in him and they just using him as the extra bat, and they will hang out to him. Because, you know, as we all know, Brett Gardner, his contract's up after this year. Aaron Hicks, you can't really, you know, you know, say he has that much of a future based on what he's done so far. Um, so maybe they do have intentions on hanging on to him. I don't know. All offseason, especially after they got John Carlos Stanton, obviously he was the number one guy heard in trade talks. But I still think he could be that player who could 
seamlessly replace Brett Gardner in left field, um, be, you know, uh, not a smooth defender, but a very good defender, and, you know, be a productive player at the plate. So I, I'm not really sure what they're doing with him. It's kind of confusing, um, but I'm curious to see how it plays out, especially because it seems like he's going to stick around for at least a couple more games. All right, let's stay in the outfield. We're on uh, with Dan Federico of Bronx to Bushville. Uh, we've got Aaron Hicks here, and maybe this is the wrong day to ask this question because he, uh, he's got five hits in his last two games, but you know he's kind of been streaky throughout his career with the Yankees. Is Aaron Hicks capable of showing more than what we've gotten out of him in 2018, or is he basically just a fourth outfielder? You know, as soon as he got traded to the Yankees, you heard Brian Cashman, you know, talk about all his tools. He has, he's a five-tool outfielder. He has everything you want in an outfielder. But, again, he's somebody, like, kind of similar to Greg Bird, where he just can't put it all together. He's either injured. If he's not injured, he's hitting for average, but not power. If he's not hitting for average and just power, you know, then he's not, not being the outfielder they thought he could be. Sometimes he looks great in the outfield. Sometimes he looks confused in the outfield. He just seems like a talent who has the ability to be an all-star type player, but just doesn't have the mindset to kind of put everything together at one time. And that's not to say, you know, he's a bad player or, you know, something wrong in his head or anything like that. Just on the surface, that's what it looks like. I think that's um, fair. This, yeah, I mean, I, I, at this point, I think the Yankees should view him as a great fourth outfielder. I mean, on a team like this where everything's clicking, sure, you could plug him in center field and he's a serviceable player, no doubt about it. But you want to maximize all your positions. And when the Yankees are trying to go for a World Series, you kind of want to put your best players everywhere. And while he's a very good center fielder, I just don't think he's a great player that you can play every day, especially compared to someone like we said, Clint Frazier, who has been excelling in AAA. He, he comes from a high pedigree. The Yankees, you know, expected a lot out of him. So I, I don't think uh, Hicks should be somebody who is a definite starter. I don't get that infatuation that the Yankees have with him, but uh, it seems like the Yankees are going to stick with him. We're about a few hours away on Sunday from game time. Sonny Gray taking the ball today yet again. Um, Personal catcher or not, it seems like Sonny Gray just continues to be inconsistent. He has a couple games in between where he looks like he's making some progress and then... It just kind of all falls apart again. Do you ever think he's going to live up to the potential that they thought he had coming to New York? Um, do you think they're going to keep riding out this personal catcher? I mean, how long are they going to go with Sonny Gray here? Uh, well, first I'll speak on Sonny Gray himself, a personal catcher. But I think, you know, you saw what he could do last year. I thought when the Yankees acquired him, I thought he played really well for them in the second half of last season. He had, you know, he faltered a bit in the playoffs and he struggled down the home stretch. But I still think he showed a lot where he could hit in New York and kind of thrive in this environment. Uh, one thing that I noticed, have heard about a little bit, is you know the organization has shifted in having their starters really and and relievers too outside of Luis Severino, you know, throw way more breaking balls and fastballs and kind of use the off-speed pitch as their primary uh, way to throw. And if you look back in Oakland, Sonny Gray has been somebody who's relied on the fastball to set up everything else. I think he has to go back to that mindset. I'm not sure if it's him just trying to change and be that type of pitcher to throw more breaking balls or uh, the coaching staff is telling him to do that. But I think if he goes back 
to throwing more fastballs in the beginning of count, kind of getting himself ahead, giving himself more confidence, I think he'll become a better pitcher out of that. That remains to be seen uh, if the organization will want to do that. And when it comes to the personal catcher stuff, I'm not a believer in it. Uh, I don't believe in, you know, catchers, ERA, or any stats like that. Um, you need your best players out there every day. And Gary Sanchez can't catch every day, obviously, but when you have Austin Romine playing a couple times a week, uh, you know, that means somebody else has to come out of the lineup because yep. Gary Sanchez has to be beach, or Gary Sanchez has to be out of the lineup in general. And that doesn't bode well for the Yankees. So I'm not a big believer in personal catchers. Um, I don't think, you know, it's something the team should be definite with. I mean, of course you want your pitcher to be comfortable, but in the end you need as much help on offense as you do on defense. So I think the best solution is for Gray to kind of work with both catchers and try and find a rapport with Sanchez and let him catch him when he needs to. Here's my here's my only gripe with, with Sonny Gray and a little bit of what you spoke on and how he was good for the Yankees last year. You can go back. You can go on Baseball Reference, anywhere you want to go to look up his stats. And his lines for a lot of his games last year were pretty impressive. Almost to a point where you were like, I didn't realize he pitched that well. But here's my here's my argument on Sonny Gray. He's more than just a box score. He's more than just a pitching line. When you watch this guy pitch, not once have you stepped away from his outing and just said, wow, he was brilliant today. Maybe that one, maybe that one game he lost two to one or something where he threw a complete game against the Rays. But even then, I just feel like everything is a struggle for this guy. And it's so frustrating because his stuff is so good. And I just never walked away from a sunny gray outing and just said, wow, this guy is phenomenal. And then it's like he has these good starts and he mix, mixes them in, but. Then when he's bad, he just it's just like he takes two steps forward and a hundred steps back. And that's really my biggest frustration with Sonny Gray. Yeah, I agree. I mean, you have to understand, too, he did have a, a pretty solid pedigree in Oakland. I mean, they were a weak team, and he was one of the top pitchers. But the Yankees gave up a lot for him, regardless of how they're performing. When the trade was took place, they gave up three quality prospects, despite, you know, Fowler being hurt and Fulton being hurt. And... Mateo stock going down. They gave up three quality prospects for him. Uh, they wanted more out of him. Like you said, when you look at the stat lines last year, he, he proved the pitcher he can be. And I think that's what the Yankees are trying to look for, trying to go back to. I mean, it's just it, it's something in Sonny Gray's mind where he has to, you know, get back to that. Uh, like I said, it may be the fastball issue, which I kind of think it is. Um, but either way, he needs to figure something out quick. But he's somebody who the Yankees are really relying on this year. All right, so a mild surprise earlier in the week, uh, at least to me, was that Brandon Drury came off his uh, rehab assignment and was actually optioned to AAA. I think a lot of us thought that uh, being that he was a cashman guy, that he might just supplant Andujar at third base, but it shows a little bit of a vote of confidence for Miguel Andujar that the Yankees sent Drury down. Do you think Andujar has done enough to lock down third base for the rest of the season? I do agree with you that I was surprised with the whole Brandon Jury news, especially when he is that Aaron Hicks type of player that Cashman just feels like he's going to stick with. So I was happy for Andahar because, you know, he's a baby bomber. He came to the system uh, when he was uh, younger a couple years ago. I've heard from a few scouts tell me that he's going to be one of the best players to come out of the system. He's going to be one of the top hitters. But I do think that Miguel Andahar has not 
locked down third base for the rest of the year. I mean, April, he was scorching hot. It was a great bat for the Yankees. He's calmed down in May, though. He has a 546 OPS compared to an above 800 OPS in the month of April. So he is starting to slow down a bit. Um, he has been way better on defense than anybody ever gave him credit for. I know that was one of the big things that um, a lot of people had questions about when he was coming up. But he has no issues at the hot corner, at least up until this point. I'll uh, tell like you I this, Dan. He's got a cannon over there, man. That's the one thing I've been most impressed with him is his throwing arm at third base. You want to know what? When I spoke to a scout who watched him in AA and AAA last year, they said no matter the type of hitter he is, his best attribute by far was his arm at third base. He could throw from anywhere and throw a strike. So I, I am agreed with you in that sense, and I do think that he's been great in that regard. But in terms of locking it down, I think – it's a little too early to say that he is the third baseman for the rest of the year. One thing that I haven't really seen floating around on Twitter or you know anywhere when the uh, people speak about the Yankees, I kind of get the sense that they're having him perform at the major league level like this on an everyday basis. Maybe because they're trying to see how what other teams think of him and they can work him into a trade. Because you know you can only show so much in the minor leagues as a trade uh, target. But when you can see what you can do every day at the major league level, then you automatically get some more guys. So I feel like, again, I, I don't have any you know knowledge of this. I just get a gut feeling that they know what they have in Drury. They want to let Andahar continue to showcase what he can do at the major league level. And then come July, when there's a starting pitcher they want, he could be somebody who, who could be a part of a trade package and possibly be you know the, the top prospect in a trade package for that starting pitcher. I said it last week, Dan, and, and I hate that I feel this way, but I feel like every time Andujar gets a big base hit, all he's doing is upping his trade value. Um, unfortunately, I, I, I like him, but, uh, speaking of, you know, we have these guys in the minor leagues. We know a lot of the big names. Are there, are there anyone that outside of those big names, Chance Adams, Sheffield, any of those guys, position player wise and pitching wise, that we haven't really talked about, we haven't really heard of, that could make an impact within this year or next? All right, so let's see. This year, I think there is a pitcher, a reliever in AAA right now. He goes by the name of Cody Carroll. Uh, he's a right-handed pitcher. Uh, he throws hard. He gets. He got up to around 100 miles per hour in the Arizona Fall League. Scouts were raving about him then. We know how the Yankees' bullpen is this year. It's been very inconsistent. They could use some reinforcements. Instead of looking to the trade market, I think they could call up Cody Carroll, be somebody who could be a Chad Green type where he could come in for an inning, throw gas, and has a power slider to go along with it. Uh, he currently has a 2.08 ERA. He's pitched in 17 innings and has 27 strikeouts this year. Again, that's in AAA. So he's put up you know, pretty strong numbers. He's been dominant for two years now. And I think he's somebody who could come up this year at some point and be a reinforcement in the bullpen who could kind of, you know, turn things around and help the Yankees in that regard. And then when you think about a hitter, I'm going to cheat a little bit. I, I don't think he's somebody who can make an impact within the next two years, but I do think he's going to be somebody at this time next year who's going to be way higher on the prospect boards. And that's Isaiah Gilliam. He's an outfielder for the Tampa Tarpoons in high A right now. Um, He's a very athletic player. Uh, he has a great pedigree. He's somebody who has very raw power. Uh, he's 
He's hitting 271, has a 735 OPS, which is pretty low. But again, he's still a young player, still developing. He has six home runs, 26 RBI. Again, big power potential. Uh, and I think he's going to be somebody as an outfielder who will be, you know, featured on MLB Pipeline and Baseball America and all those good sites that showcase prospects. He's going to be a Yankee player who's going to climb those prospect boards again at this time next year. Yeah, it's just a shame that he's an outfielder. I mean, do the Yankees have any talent in the infield anymore? Is they're just loaded with it's crazy with outfielders. Uh, still there, but he's you know, I don't. He's still he's hitting just around the Mendoza line right now. Yeah, they didn't send him home yet. He's still down there. Yeah, still down. I mean, he's just. I don't know what's happening to him. I tweeted this out a couple days ago. He was somebody who went from you know a definite number two in a trade package, a number two type of player. And you're never going to get that value out of him, I don't think. I mean, he struggled every time he's at the major league level, and he kind of looks like he lost his confidence. So I'm hoping he can turn it around. But, uh, yeah, the, the middle infield situation, you would have Tyler Estrada, but, you know, he, he's had his injury issues from the offseason. Uh, so it is looking a little weak there. But uh, you know the Yankees, they're always – well, they, they use the international free agent market oh, yeah. agent. They're always bringing in new players. So I would be surprised if it's replenished within the next year. All right, Dan, we appreciate your time. Just a couple quick uh, quick questions we have left for you. Speaking of middle infielders here, uh, Robbie Cano gets the hammer dropped on him this week. Tests positive for a diuretic that apparently masks PEDs. Any surprise there from you? Was this something you maybe saw coming. Uh, I mean, he was a big a big name in the Yankee world for a long time. How did you feel when this news broke? I was one of those guys who was so disappointed when I heard this news. Because, like you said, when he was a Yankee, he was such a big player, such a consistent player for such a long time. And you just never thought that. I mean, you know, you think of people's body types and how they change over the years and how you can attribute that to steroids. But... I never thought that he looked overly big or had a significant body change that made him, you know, made, made me even think about potential steroid use. So it, it sucks personally because, you know, he was someone who was, in my mind, a surefire Hall, Hall of Famer, would have wore that Yankees cap in Cooperstown. Um, you know, he lost getting, you know, his number retired possibly and all the good stuff with the Yankees when he left. But... You know, it's just something I never thought of. And, and it's just disappointing because, you know, he was such a great player for such a long time, like you said. All right, Dan, one last one from me. Uh, I got to ask you whenever we got one of our WWE guys on for no other reason than it pisses Chris off when I asked him about no wrestling. <laughs> if it's I thought this was Chris's favorite part of the show. <laughs> <laughs> if it's left up to you, because we know that it's been a big point of conjecture in the WWE universe that Brock Lesnar's been championing for 400-plus days. He's had like 10 title defenses, if he's even had that much. So at some point, they got to get the title off Brock Lesnar. If it was up to Dan Federico, out of these three guys, who would be your choice to become the next Universal Champion? Roman Reigns, uh, Braun Strowman, or Seth Rollins? All right. So everybody knows about Roman Reigns, how people you know hate him for the most part. He's not well-liked amongst the fans. I personally think he's a great wrestler. I love watching his matches. I just hate the way he's booked. And I think... They've tried too long to try making that number one babyface type of guy. So I wouldn't go with him. Braun Strowman, 
is a great character. He's a great wrestler. I really enjoy watching him as well. But I just think he is somebody who could be that monster heel that nobody could stop. And I think you don't need a championship when you're one of those kind of guys. Kind of like The Undertaker. Not to compare it to him, but, you know, he didn't have to have the champion, champ, uh, championship all the time to be that top guy. And I think Braun Strowman could be like that. So if you're asking me, I'm 1,000% on the Seth Rollins fan wagon. I think he's a complete wrestler. He could do it all. He could work on the mic. He could wrestle his ass off. He's just, he, he's an overall top talent. And ever since he got that curb stop back, I think he found his mojo a little bit. And I just think yeah, that's a good point. The face of the company. Great point. Great um, point. I'm just making a note real quick to cut out the last three minutes of the interview in the uh, podcast. <laughs> All right, Dan, we want to thank you for coming on and joining us uh, on this Sunday morning about a couple hours before the Yankees uh, finish up their series with the Kansas City Royals. That's Dan Federico of the uh, Bronx to Bushville. Check Dan out there. You can find Dan on Twitter, at Dan J. Federico. So, uh, Dan, thanks again for joining us. Always a pleasure, Dan. Thanks, man. Thanks for having me, guys. I appreciate it. Let's do it again soon. All right, welcome back. Episode 45 of the NYY Sports Talk Podcast. That was our interview with Dan Federico of Bronx to Bushville. As always, check out Dan on Twitter, at Dan J. Federico. Um, we asked Dan about Aaron Hicks, and it's topical today since... Uh, He's Aaron, batting cleanup. Yeah, Aaron Boone's got him batting cleanup today. I got to just stop opening things up with Aaron because I... I know who I want to talk about, but there's so many there's damn so many. Aaron's on this team. I forget what I want to say. I'm going to pose this question to start. What? We, we kind of touched on this in the interview that Hicks just can never put it all together. And then when he finally seems to be, he gets injured. Are we on the cusp of another Aaron Hicks injury right now? Because I, as I, I feel said, it. I yeah, feel it. As I said in the interview that maybe this wasn't the right time to ask because Hicksy, uh, he's got five hits in his last two games. Yeah, a couple of them were bloopers, but they're still hits nonetheless. And he seemed to come alive a little bit at the end of the Oakland series. So an injury's on the uh, horizon here. Yeah, I'm um, telling you right now, I'll give it a week. All right, here's what I want to ask you guys. Tuesday night... Clint Frazier gets the call up. We talked about this with uh, Dan. Uh, we debated it at end and uh, endlessly last week. Um, so there's no need to really get into it much more right now. To me, the surprising part with uh, Frazier getting the call up is that he was not in the lineup on Tuesday. And they had a lefty pitching. You heard that uh, Washington had a lefty pitching. You heard that the Yankees wanted him up here to help against lefties. Played Saturday night. He had two walks and a double. So, are you at all of the uh, idea here that maybe Boone's hands are tied a little bit with Hicks? Yeah, and I think them calling Clint Frazier up was a big statement, but it wasn't as big as we all thought. And that's because he wasn't in that first lineup. If you're calling a guy up because you want a better solution, you're putting him right in that lineup no matter what. And they didn't. Um, and then they continue to not put him in the lineup. He's played in one game, which was last night, and now he's not playing again today. So I don't think it's a big of a as a statement as we all thought it was. I don't think his time here is going to be extended um, to a point that we might have thought. I think he's going to be back in AAA fairly soon. All right, here's my point about Clint Frazier real quick. If you're going to call up Clint Frazier, what is the purpose of having him play once in, what, four games? Exactly. 
That's pretty much what I'm saying. If you're going to call him up because he's your better option now, you're going to play him. And that doesn't seem to be the reason why they called him up. I think this hurts his trade value more than it does anything else. I don't. If you call him up, he's a top prospect. He's got to play. If the Yankees' excuse was, well, we were in the NL Park and we made a move because we wanted an extra bat, you know, Shane Robinson accepted his assignment down to Scranton. I know Shane Robinson, who, you know, but still, if you're just going to use a guy for a couple games and ship him back out, why not? A guy like Clint Frazier, if you're going to call him up, you're going to use him. You're not going to just call him up to put him on the bench. I agree with you. Uh, That's why I think come possibly even tomorrow, did they say that? What did they say? Through Through the Kansas City series, there was a lefty pitching and whatever they were going to play him. I think he could be back down by tomorrow. I, don't I just don't see the point. I mean, yeah, I could see it too, but I just don't see the point in the whole call-up if he's not here to play. And we talked about it in the interview too. You're not going to call Clint Frazier up here and then sit here and tell us the guy you traded that you got back in a trade for Andrew Miller can only hit against lefties. You can't do that. You can't come up here and say he's only going to play against lefties and then we're going to ship him back down. Oh, hey, uh, Team A, give me your give me the your best starter ever and we're going to give you Clint Frazier, but remember, you can't hit against right-handed right. pitching. You're making a, so you're making just a very a, it, bad statement doing that. It doesn't that. make a lot of sense. So that' why, to me, if this is the if this is the plan they had for playing Frazier, you just should have stayed in AAA. I agree. But so, did you answer the question about Hicks? Because I completely forgot now. What was the question? Do you because if you if Hicks um, if Frazier gets called up on Tuesday, lefty oh, pitching. Oh, do I think his hands are tied? Yeah. Do you bro. think Cashman is you know kind of playing manager a little bit? We're saying, hey, you know what? Hicks is my guy. You're playing him. Uh, yeah. Because wouldn't you think as a as a baseball guy as Boone is supposed to be, you got Clint Frazier now against the lefty and. Aaron Hicks, who had been struggling and is better from the left side, would just, sit that day? It's so tough to answer because, like we just talked about, Aaron Hicks started to get hot. So if that didn't happen, maybe we'd be having a different discussion right now. I think I think a lot of it has to do with, hey, Hicks has kind of earned his, his spot back here uh, in the lineup. And until he proves otherwise, Clint Frazier is not going to be a factor on Hold this on. team. Hold on. Aaron Hicks out nine to 12 years with an oblique strain. <laughs> it's, I'm telling you right now, I'll give it a week before he's back on the DL. Do you think that maybe the move to add Clint Frazier was sort of, uh, this could be a stretch to, to boost the confidence maybe of Aaron Hicks. Maybe light a fire under his ass. To maybe, to maybe have him on the bench and, and Hicks's mind before this weekend was, I'm probably not going to play a lot. Um, they're going to opt to go with Frazier, but now they're going with me instead. And not only that, I'm hitting cleanup today. Yeah. I I mean, I could see that. I do but, think that's but a But now point. you're playing with the mentality of Clint Frazier, and how fair is that? Right. right? Especially after the guy Definitely. ran the guy, into the guy, guy, a concussion, for Christ's sake. And the guy me. said yesterday he was more excited to play yesterday than when he got his debut call up. I think that had a lot to do with the concussion. He though. did. He said, he said, you know, it was a tough road back, and... It, you know, I'm not saying after a concussion as a player, you're sitting there thinking that you're never going to play again, but to go through that rehab and he had a couple setbacks during it where he thought he might be ready beforehand and he wasn't uh, to come all the way back and then to get the call again, to have a team that's still confident in you enough to call you up. That's an exciting thing. And that's a, that's a big feeling. So you're messing with the emotions and the mentality of Clint Frazier too, a guy who we know, uh, you know, 
his mentality has been questioned, especially coming to New York. You're sitting him on the bench now, and it's you know it's not a good look. It just isn't. You don't want to see Clint Frazier sitting on a bench in the major leagues. You'd rather see him tear it up in AAA. Yeah, I mean, for whatever reason, if the Yankees want him or not, if he's not going to play, send him back down to Scranton. I agree. All right, since you mentioned the word setback and rehab, I have to bring it up. Jacoby Ellsbury <laughs> suffered a back injury during his rehab from his rehab of his original injury. <laughs> Still, this man has not resumed baseball activities. What was his original injury? He had hip? No, oblique. He had the oblique strain, right. and then he injured his hip rehabbing the oblique then and then he, he got the plantar foot. fasciitis and now he's injured his back and in between and all of that he had the flu and they sent him home he's like the live version of the board game operation You're just, <laughs> eh, eh. <sighs> i mean what do you do at this point my wife goes to me she goes put him in a retirement home <laughs> She goes, how did Ellsbury get hurt? Didn't they send him home sick? I said, I'd imagine he was doing some type of rehab, working out. Oh, man. Somebody tweeted at at us, he should just retire. The dude is making $22 million a year <laughs> to get exercising hurt. in Florida. Why would you give up that lifestyle? And every team that might have even thought about trading for him is sitting at home going, thank God we didn't do that. Honestly, we laugh about it, but are we? I think I asked you this last week. Are we ever going to see Jacoby Ellsbury no. take the field this year? No, <laughs> no, no. All right, I will bet. Let's put it maybe in September. No. Is he going to be healthy by September? <laughs> if health isn't an issue, if he's healthy, come September, uh, yeah, he'll okay, be, he'll September be on. call up. Yeah. But listen, if health isn't an issue, <laughs> twenty million. If health isn't an issue, this isn't a guy that can sit in AAA. You can't. He doesn't have options. They if were, health isn't an issue at any point in this year, they have to call him up. Either that or cut ties. Dude, that's, that's all right. The, so that's the now reality. We, now here we are, middle of July. He's finally healthy. Do you think that Brian Cashman sends out like his assistant to run over his foot in his car? <laughs> Possibly. Just stay the hell away from this team. He probably just has to bump into him and he'll get hurt. He doesn't. Is, have to, I mean, is what this, was that movie Unbreakable with Mister Glass? <laughs> yeah. Is this unrealistic? It, I'm asking a serious question right now. You can't ask serious questions when we're talking about Jacoby And I Ellsbury. really, I don't know if this is something that could actually happen. Is this something that the Yankees sat him down and said, look, we're going to pay you, right? But for this year, as long as there's no room, as long as guys are producing, there's going to be instances where... You just have to pretend to be hurt? Yeah. I mean, is that something that's realistic? Hey, Jacoby, look, you're... <laughs> There's still no room for you, you know. Your back seems a little tight today. That's a spineless man, though. To be honestly, to not to go along with that, that's a guy with no spine that I don't want on my ball club. And anyway. that's why, and that's why I don't think it's a realistic. Wouldn't question you? Because, wouldn't you have enough pride as a just well, as a man to say no? I'm good enough to be on this, this team. Well, this is also a guy who this is the asshole that said, "Yeah, I'm going to be the starting center fielder right, in spring right. training." So. 
I, it's not a conspiracy then. I mean, this guy's truly just going out there and continues to get hurt. All right. Do you, you, so you know when women are pregnant, your wife has uh, two beautiful children, uh, that they have pregnancy pools of when the baby's yes. going to be born. Yes. Jacoby Ellsbury injury pool. I think we should start that of not when, <laughs> but what will his next injury be? Okay. I'm going to start that on Twitter this week. I like that. I'm going to get everyone involved. I want to know what his next injury is going to be. All right, but I want to get it on the show right now from both of you. What will I'm going to his... go with hand. I'm going to go with something with the hand. Speaking of which, before <laughs> we go with that, uh, Estevan Florial broke the handmate bone in his hand, so he's out till August. Right. Not that I know a lot of people were saying, oh, they can't trade him, but they traded uh, Caprillion and Fowler last year, so if somebody wanted him and the Yankees wanted to give him up, it's really not that big of a deal. Right. But all right, so you think it's a hand injury? I'm going to go with hand. I'm going calf. A calf injury. Strained calf. You want to know why? That's a good one. That's a good one because that's an injury that will occur when he's rehabbed all these ones and he's on his rehab assignment. (laughs) And that would be the most Jacoby Ellsbury thing to do is to get hurt the day before he's going to get called up. I like that. I'm going to go with another. I'm going to go with a concussion. I was thinking concussion. I'm going to go with a concussion. I was thinking concussion, (laughs) but I was like, you know what? They got to mix it up a little bit. I'm going to go with hand. I think he's going to be taking outfield drills and hit the wall. Okay. I like that. That's a good one. So hand, uh, calf, concussion. Who was the right fielder in that game yesterday that slammed to the wall on that Hicks inside the parker? Uh, I don't know what he was trying to do. I think he was trying to to climb the wall there. Yeah, it didn't work out for him. And he tumbled. Uh, So So good. Another, Another nice comical relief. Segment of the MIYST podcast. Jacoby Ellsbury. <laughs> so I I posted this picture on Twitter. He has to be part of the universe that got... Alright, the movie's <laughs> been out a month already, people. Oh. I'm, I don't care anymore. If you haven't seen it, you're not going to see it. Ellsbury's definitely part of the universe that died at the hands of Thanos in Infinity War, yeah, right? Definitely. He has to be. He's, he's one of the half of the pop. But unfortunately... The contract was on the other half of the universe. <laughs> Chris is like, don't never saw it, hate it. Yeah, this episode featured wrestling talk and superhero talk. Chris has been dialed out for a little while. All right, so now we can bring Chris back in. Two quick things we want to hit on before we wrap up episode 45. Heard a report this week that the uh, Texas Rangers, who are the Yankees' next opponent, are, quote, open for business after they've got off to a rough start. If Ryan wants to bring up their exact record, I would love to hear it right now. Here's um, – Yeah, and Cole Hamels is one of their big trade pieces, and the Yankees are apparently one of five teams that would be interested in trading for Cole Hamels. Right now, Texas is 18-29. and 29. Yeah, Here's so. why I don't like – They're not winning that division. Here's why <laughs> – No. Here's why I don't like the Yankees going after Hamels. The first thing being he is still owed $22 million for the rest of this year. And that's a lot of money to pay a 34-year-old uh, pitcher who has really been on the decline in his career. He's he's pitching okay this year. Right, but give me Hamels' numbers for You're not going to sit here and tell me Cole Hamels is an elite pitcher anymore. Um and you know I'm, what? Before, I just want to stop you here. You said the same thing about Justin Verlander last year. Excuse me? 
Excuse me. <laughs> no, Who's I, the one who wanted the Yankees to get Justin all, Verlander? First of all, I didn't say you. It was a general you. You, as in the universe, said the same thing about Justin Verlander last year, that he was not an elite pitcher anymore. And look what he did is doing in Houston now. He's the reason, more than anything else, that Houston Astros won the World Series last year. In nine starts, nine starts this year for Hamels, two and four with a three four eight ERA. So this is a guy now. Yeah, he's got a losing record, but his ERA is good but, on a but bad listen, team. What is our point of getting a pitcher to to you know boost up this staff right now? It's to take them through the postseason. Is Cole Hamels that guy? At that point, I'd rather see Justice Sheffield get a shot and see if he could be the guy. Because now we're going to take on $22 million on a guy who I just don't know if that's really what they're looking for. I just really don't. And and all these other names out there, why, why? Corbin keeps being brought up. Why would the Diamondbacks ever think of getting rid of him? They're playing well. They're in first place still, no? Isn't he a free agent at the end of the year? Yeah, but who cares? That's what I'm saying. So if the Yankees really want him, why are they going to package your prospects? Why not wait till next season? Exactly. Just to- it, he's not going to be your guy. Kershaw has an option where if he stays with the Dodgers or something, if he leaves the Dodgers, he loses like $35 million. So that's not going to happen. I, yeah, Cole Hamels might be being talked about by default right now. But I just don't see him as being what the Yankees need. What their reason for going out there and getting a pitcher isn't going to be satisfied by Cole Hamels. I think it's something we just got to kind of wait out a little bit longer, a couple months, because there's a lot of good teams still in the National League, and the and the teams that are bad in the American League, a lot of them are in the American League East, so they're not really great trade trade options. Really, the only option right now that that can happen would be Michael Fulmer from. The Tigers. That's who I'm thinking of. I'm not sure I'm in love with that, though. I'm not either, but Fulmer Fulmer is a guy like Verlander that I could see coming to a good team and being dominant again. Yeah, but Fulmer's a kid. He's still, what, 20? How old is he, Ryan? He's in his early 20s, right? Yeah, he's he's not. It's not like Verlander where maybe the staleness of Detroit just got to him. So would you be happy with Cole Hamels? And at what price? I mean, well, that's what, if the Yankees, what are, the Yankees, if the Yankees are going to pick up most of that contract, which they're going to have to, right? If they're going to pick up most of that $22 million, which they're going to have to, they better not give up anyone big. All right, so back to Fulmer. He's 25 years old. If he's bored playing in Detroit because they suck, I don't even want him because at 25 years old, you should be grateful that you're in the major leagues to begin it's with. I could see a guy bored. like – but. In fairness, I could see that being a point to a seasoned vet like Verlander who played in the World Series. But it's not about being bored. Or whatever about, the word is that you want to use. It's about the mentality around your team. I mean, rookie But at 25 veteran, years old, you should not have that mentality. At 35, yeah, you can have that mentality. Sometimes your team brings you down without you having anything to do with it. I mean, he's But do you playing, not agree with that point? I agree with you to an extent, but it it shouldn't discredit his character. I mean, I think it should. Uh, if you're not, if you're just half-assing it because your team, I'm not good. saying he's half-assing it. I'm saying he's going out there pitching for a team that what doesn't back it? him. Let's get the numbers to back up what he's saying right now. What is his ERA this year? Because like, I don't even care about his win loss because the Tigers are. And awful. was he coming off an injury too? I, I think know. he might have been. I think for Yankee fans, the biggest thing you'd have to hope for 
would be that the San Francisco Giants just start to fall off a little stop bit with more. That? They're twenty three, twenty four right now, four and six in their last ten, and we go Madison out and get Bumgarner Madison Bumgarner. Makes the most sense. Fulmer's got a four three five ERA this year. All right, year. so we're gonna give up Quint Frazier and Miguel Andujar for a guy with a four three five ERA because he's yeah, bored pitching for a I'm bad team. I'm not gonna team. do that. You're right, but Bumgarner makes the most sense. He's a lefty. And he's a weapon in the postseason. He's a That's- weapon in the postseason. And we we say this until we're blue in the face. The Yankees will make the postseason without getting a pitcher. Not gone they, they, they don't, don't just – it's not a blank I know, statement. but what I'm trying to say is we're not getting a pitcher to help us get to the postseason. We're getting a starting pitcher to take us through the postseason. And Madison Bumgarner is that guy. And the only downfall to that is, A, he's injured a lot. We really don't know what kind of stuff he has right now. And, B, they're going to want a lot for him. This is Madison Bumgarner. I I don't care what he's done in the last couple years. And at the right price, yeah, he makes the most sense. But I don't know if there's ever going to be a right price for him. You're not going to give up Andujar and Clint Frazier for Madison Bumgarner. Not 2018 Madison Bumgarner. No, absolutely not. (laughs) I know you you're, would. You're, That's you, say you, he's, you say he's injury prone or he has a history of injury, but you have to look at the kind of injury. He fell off a friggin' bike a, last a, year. A dirt bike accident. And then this year in spring training, he got hit with a comebacker and broke his wrist. Those aren't those aren't just injury prone type of injuries. Those are fluke injuries. I'd give up the farm for this guy. I'd give up Sheffield for him. You're crazy. Not Sheffield. I give up. I would. And I this up. is where I pose that question to you that – the Yankees are going to get to a point this year where they're going to really have to sit down and think about what they want to do with Sheffield because I don't think he's untouchable. I really don't. But if you're going to trade him, you better get someone big back. He's untouchable. You better not get Cole Hamels back for he's, uh He's Justice untouchable Sheffield. unless he's traded for a top-tier starting pitcher exactly. that you have under control for at least exactly. two seasons. So, Madison Bumgarner. So where, so, <laughs> the guy's 28. So here's where the problem comes for the Yankees, there is a very, very good chance that Justice Sheffield could be that guy that they're looking for in 2018. You can't say that there's not a good chance of it. There's a solid chance. There is a solid chance. But if he br- if you bring him up and he truly wasn't ready, then you're really exposing him and you're not going to be able to trade him. So do you take that risk? Do you sit there and say, look... The guys out there that are going to be available really aren't going to be worth what what these teams are going to ask for. Do we take a shot on Justice Sheffield? Here's what I would probably do. Depending on the package price, I trade for Cole Hamels. And I'll give you two reasons why. Number one, I'm intrigued by what Justin Verlander has done with his career. To put him in a winning situation to maybe revitalize him. I'm intrigued by them doing that with Cole Hamels. Now, you want to say Houston, Houston's got better pine tar than New York does? <laughs> but listen, here's my argument to that. Justin Verlander, no matter what he was doing in the regular season, you know he's a horse in the postseason, just like Bumgarner. So the Astros, again, weren't getting him to help them get to the postseason. So so really, you going out there and taking Cole Hamill's contract and whoever you have to I know it was him, 10 years ago, but Hamill's was still an ace of a team that won a World Series and went to a, another World Series. Yeah, but his stuff has fallen off from then. Verlander's stuff really never fell off. 
he wasn't throwing guy, this and he's hard a guy in who Detroit. Throws 120 in, uh, pitches every game. He goes I got to counter for everything you're going to say because Verlander was not throwing in the upper 90s like he is consistently with Houston. But you have to sit there as the Yankees and look at the price of Cole Hamels and look at your 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 mission here. And your mission is to get a guy who is going to power through the postseason. Is Cole Hamels still that guy? Is he an upgrade over Sonny Gray? Yes. That's what you really uh, need I mean, to... come on. All right, so then in that instance alone, you might have to do it. Maybe. Because then you go... Maybe, but is is Justice Sheffield better than Cole Hamels? I don't know that. All right, so should we know before we Wouldn't do anything? Wa- maybe. Maybe that maybe is... Maybe we should. And here's my other point about Cole Hamels before we wrap this part up here. Uh... It's not about the money with him because the Yankees at that point in the season are only going to have to take on two months worth of that contract. If he's so still they, available by then. All right. If he's still available by then. If the Yankees really want to trade for him, at that point in the season, the money's not going to be an issue because there's money in the budget to stay under 197 and add in a contract like that. Okay? So the money's not an issue. To me, it's about prospects and whether or not Picking up his option is part of the trade. Okay. Because if it's not, if if he says, you know what, you don't have to pick up my option, then I'll he take the trade here, then I'll do it in a, in a second. But here's my thing, Because right? if he comes here and he shits the bed, you pay him the $6 million and tell him to get lost. Here's my thing, and I'm fairly confident in this. I don't think Cole Hamels is someone you get at the trade deadline. I think that's going to happen much sooner, and I think it's going to happen after Domingo Herman makes a couple more starts because that's when the Yankees are going to have to sit down and say, is this the time we see if Sheffield's our guy to take us through the postseason like we want, or is this a time we replace someone for, you know, a permanent replacement here for, for Herman? And I think that's going to happen sooner rather than later. I think if Cole Hamels is a Yankee, it's going to happen within the next month or two. I don't think it's going to happen. All right, genius. Within two months, we're oh. in July now. <laughs> well, I think it's going to happen within the next uh, couple starts of Domingo Herman showing what he has. Well, based on your timeline, the Yankees would only be able to acquire Hamels at the trade deadline because if you're going to give if you're going to give Herman two more starts, now we're in June. And then if you want to bring up Sheffield to see if he's got the goods, what are you going to give him? Two starts before you say, oh, now we got to make a trade? You're going to give him four or five starts, and now you're in July. So, But I don't think Cole Hamels – I think if you go to Sheffield, Cole Hamels is off the table because I, I think he's going to be gone by I then. I don't think Sheffield should be your uh, your final piece because I think you should leave yourself open for making a trade. Because but, if he comes up here and he shows he's not ready, then you're really screwed. But you, you but, decide not but to what trade if he anybody. does? But what if he does? What if he is way more dominant than any guy out there? You know what? Dan said it best. The Yankees are not quick to rush their pitching prospects up to the to the. Major I know leagues. they're not. They never have been. So, and with this, I know it's not a big deal, but with the shoulder thing, you know, why not let him ride out 2018 and go get Cole Hamels? Hey, and let's talk about this real quick. Maybe Chance Adams is on the upswing here. Maybe he's maybe he's the guy they go to. Maybe he's less of a risk to call up at this point and see what he's got. He had what ten ten Ks yeah. in his last start. He's you know he's starting to look like the Chance Adams they thought he was. And like we always said, how much of it was that he's a bust, and how much of it was that he was coming back from an elbow And issue? someone tweeted at me. Please just back me up on this. He was uh, as actually on Facebook, I think he said. Chance Adams is a guy who throws ninety eight, and I was like, no, he does not. 
He throws 93 to 94. I think we saw him topping out at 92 when we saw him. 92, 93, whatever. And he's a guy who's going to rely a lot on that changeup. They said his last start where he threw the 10 strikeouts, his velocity did look like it was starting to improve a little bit. Which is, you know. There you go. To me, that's a sign of a guy that's coming back from an injury. He's starting to find himself a little bit. There's a chance. There's There's a a chance. chance. All right, last thing we want to touch on real quick. We can save it for next week, but we're not going to because we'll forget by then. Stack Guy uh, sent us a good video from, uh, what is it, HBO Real Sports? Yeah. Why don't you tell them where you found it so the fans can find it themselves? Maybe we'll even tweet it later. I, I found it on Reddit, but if you just YouTube, uh, just look up umpire, like Robot Umpire HBO, it'll pop right up. It's like a minute and 30. Uh, minute and 59 seconds. Oh, sorry. Eric Burns, bruh. And it's basically <laughs> just outlines how... Uh, you know, there would be cameras set up that can determine whether or not a pitch was a ball or a strike. And then there still is a home plate umpire, but instead of him making the call, he has an earpiece in and it's someone from like a booth or whatever telling him whether or not it was a strike or a ball. I will make this as simple as possible on my end. I will never, ever, ever be okay with that in baseball. Ever. I don't care if you posed the question the other day or I... To me, I don't care if the Yankees have the bases loaded, Game 7 of the World Series, they're down 3-2, and it should have been ball 4 to tie the game, but the umpire called it a strike. I said to you, I will bitch about it, I will probably break my television, I will maybe have a mini heart attack, Uh, I won't talk to anybody for two months, and I will be the angriest I've ever been in my entire life, but I would never trade that emotion for a computer to tell me what should be a ball or a strike, ever. So you are against robot umpires? 120%. It would truly ruin the game that I love. So we are so we can finally get past the fact that umpires have no idea how to call a strike zone on Aaron Judge, but you don't <laughs> want to see that. No. I Listen, I love the human element. I... I love the human element, especially on balls and strikes. I love the fact that an umpire can make an atrocious call. And if the manager even peeps about it and comes out onto the field, he's getting tossed. And then there's going to be a huge, huge argument. I love that suspense. All right. So what happens if in the ninth inning of a big game, Aaron Judge gets called out on strikes with the Ropod umpire and Boone's like, that's low. Who's he going (laughs) to yell at? Right. He's going to go into the clubhouse. And What's he going to do? Walk up to the, climb the foul pole and start yelling at a camera? My biggest gripe with having robot umpires was always the aesthetic of it, that it wouldn't look like the game. But having a home plate umpire there who's calling balls and strikes how it always was totally eliminates that negative aspect of it for me. I just don't want it. I think it's an interesting video, and I think uh, we'll try to find it out and tweet it out in the coming days. I think it's an interesting video that uh, the fans should check out. Because, like you said, the aesthetics of it, we were all under the assumption that if there was going to be robot umpires, there would be nobody behind See, the See, I plate. never was under that assumption. I totally was. I never was because I always thought they'd have to have someone there to call it. And I always thought of it as someone would tell them what to call. Especially, and they touch on this in the video, because there's still going to be plays at the plate and there's still going to be someone out there who needs... I mean, there was a play the other day where the ball didn't pass... First base, so the home plate umpire had to rule if it was fair or foul. I well, mean, they could always change the, the but it doesn't uh, matter. Someone still needs to be there. The assignments to make that on call. who makes calls. And no, stuff. you can't do that now. Now we're just talking about a, a completely different game. Look, a, the uh, football has the XFL, right? 
Yeah. So so create a new league of guys who can't make it professionally and do all this, and and then you can have a whole other uh, a a whole other audience who enjoys that kind. So of So you stuff. want Vince McMahon not to only operate sure. a wrestling promotion; you want him to operate wants. a football promotion. XLB, and a, XLB uh, guys uh, can guys a baseball can, league yeah, also. Guys so can we could have each other. They could throw the ball at the runner to get him out if they want. The peg rule. Oh, yeah. The peg rule. <laughs> We could do uh, we could do awesome. computer. What about bounce pitch? Bounce pitch is fine, <laughs> and you know what? And then you can have all your computers you want calling the game. Don't touch my game. Don't touch baseball. This might be racist now, but you guys ever play? Uh... <laughs> you guys ever play Indian rule baseball when you didn't have enough outfielders? I don't know if you're allowed to say that anymore. You're probably not. But, you remember yes. that's what it was called when we were There's kids when you best. didn't have enough outfielders. So you're, pretty, you're playing stickball, but you're playing Indian. You couldn't. You had to baseball. pull the ball all the time because there right. was nobody to play the other side exactly. of the field. So that should be the XBL or the XLB. XLB. Right. I'm sorry. I'm pitching this. <laughs> I the peg rule. You want to know something? I'm a stockholder for WWE. I can. I, you want to go to your next investors meeting with Let's me? Let's do it. Let's do pitch it. this XLB, XLB baby. <laughs> Let's do it. I right. understand your argument, Chris, that you don't want to take away that old classic style of the game. I just think we're at a point now where these rosters, it's 25 but guys, who? it's pitchers that throw 98, it's hitters that hit 450 hit foot bombs. There's too many good players in this league now for big aspects of the game to be determined so by... So adapt! Why is the solution yeah, in Adapt this- the tech with the technology! No! Adapt! Dude, you know These umpires should train better then! Why is the it's solution hard. always to go to technology and for things to be perfect? It is nine innings of baseball now where you have guys throwing 98 miles an hour in every single inning. How are you, how can you like just think that an umpire can make these calls now? These guys are throwing too hard and the, the play is just way too, it's much better now. So why can the players advance to throw harder, but the umpires can't advance to make better calls? We have the same umpires we've had for the last 20 years. So you know, maybe that's Major yeah, League well, Baseball's next step is to get better that's umpires. definitely a part of it. Not to get a computer. Alright, alright. Before we came on the show today, Ryan told us a story about how he punched Chris in the face one time and we're getting dangerously close to that happening I'm right tempted. now. He also threw a rock at my yeah. head. So that explains back. so much. <laughs> <laughs> Undiagnosed concussion at 12 years old, and it just snowballed uh, into yeah, what lingered. We... <laughs> oh man, that was fun. Let's get robots in the game. <laughs> you know what? If Aaron Judge hurts his leg, God forbid, why don't we give him a robot leg so he yeah, can finish, so he can continue it. to play? Some cyborgs out there. Yeah, some cyborgs, bro. <laughs> Actually, what we should do: all these guys get hooked up for like MLB the Show, right? So we might as well just have a whole season of just computerized baseball. Everything will be perfect. Now we're now we're really getting the pitch going. <laughs> All right, are we done? Yes. All right. So uh, even though this is not their home, I don't want the the police to be called for a domestic disturbance here. <laughs> so let's wrap up the show here. Instead of me rambling on for eighty nine minutes, which upsets Chris more than me talking about professional wrestling on the show, just go to the description of this podcast. Our link to the website and all our Twitter handles will be there. Uh, Special shout out again to Mallory's Army, though. Please, when you go to the website, check out the shop tab and uh, check out our fundraiser for Mallory's Army. And uh, Ryan, put put the knife down. <laughs> it's just so tempting. Just slit this guy's throat. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> cops are gonna be called. 
I take it back. I love you, Chris. You're a good brother. <laughs> the problem is when these two get heated, for whatever reason, when I was working at a at a factory, I would bring box cutters home with me every day. So I have like 94 box cutters just stashed <laughs> on this table and a pair of scissors. So Ryan doesn't have to go very far. Yeah, scissors are within arm's reach right here. I got this for you, pal. That's great. Oh. <laughs> Jesus. So, uh, Ryan, don't kill your brother. I won't. And do you have anything to say to the fans before we wrap up the show? Let's go Yanks. All right, let's go Yanks and uh, Chris. I kind of like you. Say goodbye. Bye. <laughs>